Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Well, good morning. Welcome to Silverdale Baptist Church. It's so awesome to see all of you here worshiping with us. I'd like to welcome all of you here at our Bonnie Oaks campus. I'd also like to welcome those of you at our Creekside service and those at our North Udawa campus or St. Elmo campus or all those worshiping online. Um, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm Tony Wallace. I'm one of the pastors here and I have the privilege today to share with you God's Word. So this is what I encourage you to do. Go and take your Bibles, open up the New Testament to the book of Hebrews Hebrews chapter 11, you can turn to Hebrews 11. You've got a smartphone, you can open that app to Hebrews 11 as well. Um, also, t- do this. Take out these Bible study outlines that we provide for you. We give you these outlines so you can follow along and take notes as we study God's Word together. Um, when God speaks to you, it's always important to write down the things that He's speaking to your heart about. As you know, this year we've been studying through the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is an incredibly rich, deep book, and now we are in chapter 11. And chapter 11 is known as the faith chapter. In chapter 11, we're going to see sort of a hall of fame of faith. Now, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a bunch of hall of fames. According to Google, there's thousands of hall of fames, walk of th- fames, wall of fames. There's some, obviously, you know, like you know, the Football Hall of Fame or the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, but there's probably some that you've never heard of before. Like this one, in Milwaukee, you have the International Clown Hall of Fame. Now, I don't know about you, that would just freak me out. I'm just not into clowns at all, all right? Or in Texas, they're known for a lot of things, but you know in Plano, Texas, they have the Cockroach Hall of Fame. That's right, cockroach there on the top of Lady Liberty there, okay? Um, You go drive south of here, you go to Ella J, Georgia, they have the Pig Hall of Fame where they have hundreds of pictures of famous pigs. I mean, I didn't know there were any famous pigs. But in Hebrews chapter 11, you've got God's Hall of Fame of Faith. We're going to study 16 different heroes of faith. And here's the deal. You may never be in any Hall of Fame in this life, but if you learn to walk with God, you can be in God's Hall of Fame. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to learn to walk with him by faith. Now, I believe that some of you, you came in here today, and your faith is, you know, just really beaten down. Because we live in a world that constantly wants to challenge our faith or extinguish our faith or there is no God, you can't believe the word of God or other things like that. And maybe you're here and you're just like, Pastor, be honest, I just feel like my faith is on fumes. Well, you've come the right day. Because God wants to encourage you in your faith. And I believe that over the next four weeks, as we study the faith chapter of Hebrews 11, God's going to build up your faith. 
And so let's look at our passage together. It begins in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning verse 1. I want you to notice what God's word says. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And so what we're going to learn is that faith is incredibly important as a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's so important, notice what it says just a few verses down in verse 6. It says, and without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. God wants you to live by faith. He wants you to walk by faith. We are saved by faith. We're kept by faith. We're sanctified by faith. We need to live by faith. In fact, in the New Testament, the word faith in Greek, pistis, faith or believe, it's 485 times it talks about faith. So faith is very important. And yet here's the deal. A lot of us as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't even have a working definition of what faith is. And so what we're going to do is we're going to learn exactly what is faith. Now, before we can learn what faith is, what I want to do is I just want to knock down a few things in our culture that are not faith. And you can see that at the top of your outline. Faith is not this. Well, first of all, faith is not, jot this down, just blind optimism. Just blind optimism. You know, positive thinking, right? You're just just optimistic. You just have this positive belief, positive outlook. It's just going to be okay, just going to be awesome, right? And every morning you wake up and you're sort of like this guy right here. Check this guy out. Now, those kind of people just are obnoxious, aren't they, right? You know, I mean, you go, I'm a positive person, but you know what, right? And the thing is, is just faith is not just having optimism. Everything's going to go my way. I just believe everything's going to turn out all right, you know? Can I just tell you, the first guy that's listed in Hebrews chapter 11 is Abel. Things didn't go his way. He was murdered, okay? Things didn't go his way, right? And so the fact is, is that just blind optimism isn't faith. Another thing that is not faith is this, jot this down, just magical thinking, magical or wishful thinking. Now, we have in our culture today what's known as the prosperity gospel, and you've got a lot of preachers that they propagate this, and it's this health and wealth preachers, and in essence, what they say is if you just got enough faith, if you just believe enough, then you can name it and claim it, right? You can name whatever it is, and if you just have enough faith, it can become yours, right? In fact, there's a preacher in town. He drives a Bentley, and he parks that Bentley in the church parking lot, and he encourages his members to go by, lay their hands on it, and confess out loud, I believe, I believe I'm going to be driving a car like this one day, right? Or they'll say, hey, get this wall and put up these pictures of all this future, you know, beautiful mansion that you can have. And just in your mind's eye, believe and, you know, forecast that that's what's going to be in your future. Can I tell you something? That's just pagan idolatry. That is not Christian faith at all. It's just not. It's just pagan, magical, wishful thinking. That is not what the Bible's talking about when it talks about faith. So you go, okay, if that's not what faith is, then what is faith? Well, faith, let's look at it from a biblical perspective. I want to give you a definition of biblical faith from these verses. 
And it's going to be broken up into three parts. And so let's look at it. First of all, faith is this. It is the confident assurance. Faith is having this confident assurance. Sort of like this stool. I have confident assurance that this stool will hold me up. I have such confident assurance that I will actually sit down. This is faith. Having confident assurance in something. That's what faith is. But it's not just having confident assurance. There's a second part of faith. Jot this down. Confident assurance about what? About things not yet visible. Faith is having confident assurance about things not yet visible. That means you can't see them yet. Check it out. Look at it. The rest of that verse, one. The conviction of things not seen. Now, our world doesn't understand this. Our world says, no, 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 uh, Pastor. I mean, if I don't see it, I can't believe it. You see, those kind of people are sort of like, you know, the African impala. Have you heard about that animal? It's an amazing animal. I mean, it can leap 10 feet in the air. It can leap 30 feet in distance. And yet, it can be contained in any zoo with a three-foot wall. What? 10 feet by 30 feet? Why doesn't it just jump over it? Because the African impala refuses to jump if it doesn't know where its feet is going to land. And that's the way some of you are. That you know what? You just don't want to believe God because you don't see it. But here's the thing. You've got physical eyes to see the physical realm. God will give you faith to see the spiritual realm. See, God will give you faith to see what others do not see spiritually. And so what do you go, okay? It's the confident assurance of things that I don't see, but how do I believe that? Well, notice the very final point. It's very important because God promised them in his word. Because God spoke them. God promised them to us. Look at it, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created, how? By the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. You see, God spoke and he created. You see, God spoke and he gave us the word of God. God speaks through your, into your life through the Holy Spirit. And whenever God speaks and you believe it and God spoke it to you, then you go, okay, I can take that to the bank. I can believe that these things are going to happen. And even though I don't see it, I believe what God says, and so he spoke it, and I'm going to believe it. So it is, faith is what? Confident assurance in things not seen. Why? Because God promised them in his word. Let me give you an ex- one example. Last weekend during Easter, I taught on the afterlife, and I quoted of the future heaven, what it's going to be like in Revelation 21. And let me read the verse to you. Revelation 21, 3 says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne of God saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will, look at this, he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that is your future. I do not believe it. Now, you may be here, but but, but Pastor Tony, you don't see it. I know I don't see it, but I believe it. I have absolute confident assurance that that is going to be my future. Why? Because God spoke it, and I believe it, okay? And so that is what faith is. Now, faith, it's very dependent on the character of God. 
Now, I want you to notice these three words. I put them in your outline. You can see them on the screen. Character, then promise, then time. And those three words are very important whenever it comes to faith in your life. Let's talk about that. First, it all depends on the character who makes the promise. Like this. Okay, let's just say that you have a boss. And this boss has great integrity, great character. And he says to you one day, hey, you know what? You're doing a great job. Uh, I'm going to give you a $6 an hour raise. And you go, woo, thank you, Jesus, right? And he goes, but I can't do it right now, but I'm going to do it in a few months, okay? And so what do you do? You believe that you're going to get a raise, don't you, right? I mean, even in those months, whenever the raise has not yet come, you have this confident assurance that you're going to get a raise. Why? Because of the integrity and character of the guy who made the promise. Make sense? Okay? Let's take the reverse of that. Let's just say that you have a friend who's not all that trustworthy, all right? And he says to you, hey, after church, I'll meet you at this restaurant, and we can have lunch together. And you go, great, okay, awesome, I'll see you after church. And you go to the restaurant, and you wait. And this guy, he's blown you off before, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. Now, let me ask, when you're waiting, do you have confident assurance? Absolutely not. Why? Because this guy's character is not that good, right? Do you understand? character makes a promise, then you have to wait, okay? Let me put it to you like this, okay? Imagine as a parent says to its child, hey, jump, right? Whether it's in a pool or whatever it is, jump. And the child is there and the child is scared, terrified in fact, of what? The distance that may be there of drowning in the pool or falling or whatever it may be. But the child who happens to be fearful and terrified and doesn't understand why, Her parent wants to do this, in essence, jumps anyway. Why? For one reason. He or she trusts the character of a parent, right? Well, that's God. Let's apply it all now to the Bible. God cannot lie. He does not lie. God has impeccable character. Whenever God says something, he always, always, always fulfills it. Always. Now, there there are delays, yeah, There's plenty of times in the Bible when God's given a promise to somebody and weeks and months and years and decades may go by. For some promises, it's been thousands of years. And yet, boom, he still fulfills it. Every promise God eventually fulfills. Why? Because he cannot lie. And so God wants you to trust him. But one of the ways that you learn to trust him is you gotta be in his word, right? Notice how the apostle Paul puts this in Romans 10. He says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If you really want to grow your faith, you need to get in the word of God. You got to understand the promises of God. You got to understand what God's saying in his word. But the opposite is also true. Check this out up on the screen. If your faith is weak, it's because you're not in the word, right? If you want confidence, you've got to start having confidence in his word and hearing his word and studying his word. Now, there may be some of you like, you know what? I can't have confidence in God because God's character isn't good. And I go, really? Yeah. See, God's let me down. God didn't come through like I thought God was going to come through. And I go, give me an example. And typically I'll hear stories like this. Well, I believed God was going to heal my dad. And I was praying passionately, believing that God was going to heal my dad and God didn't heal my dad. And so I can't trust God. Or, you know what, I just really believe that God was going to give me this promotion at work and, and this jerk got the job instead of me, right? And I just, I just, I can't trust God. 
or, you know, I really thought God was going to work out this circumstance, and it just didn't work out, and so I don't know if I just can't trust God. Well, you see, the problem with all those stories is simply this. Those are individuals that put words in God's mouth. It's true. See, we create a God in our own image. We, we make God say things that he never said, right? Now, what did God say? God did say, I'm never leaving you or forsaking you. No matter what circumstance you may find yourself in, God said, I'm going to walk right with you through that circumstance. And you know what? God says, I'm going to cause all things to work together for good. You know what? Those who love me are called according to my purpose. And guess what? You may not always see it, but I'm working behind the scenes, right? You can trust God. Why? Faith is the confident assurance about things not yet visible. Why? Because God promised it in his word. Now, you may be here and you're like, well, I need more evidence than just the Bible. Well, I'm going to tell you, this, um, this summer we're going to do a short series on the evidences of the Christian faith. And I'm going to give you evidences of why you can. You don't have to put your brain on hold whenever you come to church. We're going to give you evidences of why you can believe confidently there is a God. Why you can believe that the Bible really is the Word of God. Why you can believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We're going to give you those evidences. But what the writer of Hebrews does, he gives you one example, one evidence. Look at it. It's found in verse 3. Look at this verse again. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made, was not made out of things that are visible. That's a really cool argument. Basically what he's saying, he says, look at the universe, Okay. I mean, look at everything that you know about. I mean, look at the stars and the sun and the moon and look at planet Earth and the valleys and the mountains and the trees and the plants and the animals and everything you see. There was once a time that none of those things existed. I mean, even atheists will agree with that. There was once a time that everything you now see didn't exist. Didn't exist, right? Well, how did it come about? God spoke it. God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. God created the heavens and the earth. Now, again, people will push back on that and say, no, 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 I don't believe that God created it. I believe it just all happened by time and chance. You know, that's what they'll say. And can I just tell you, that's illogical. It is. If, if there's creation, that means logically there had to be a creator. If there is um, design... And there's a lot of design around here, folks. Look at the world. Ever hear of the law of gravity? Alone. That's design, folks. That means what? That means there had to be a designer. Well, uh, well you know, if there's intelligence, okay, think about it. DNA. You know what DNA is? DNA is like computer language. If there's language, there had to be an author, right? I mean, God is the one who spoke it. God's the one who created it. Now, I know that our world, they, they look at creation, they don't see God. What they see are, you know, chemical compounds and atoms and gases and things like that. I mean, it's sort of like this. I don't know if you've heard the, the parable of the, the church mice in the piano. This is just a story, fable, but there's these church mice that were in a huge piano at church. And um, they would hear music from time to time. And they said that there's this, this unknown player that causes the music. And then you had this very adventurous mouse that went out, and he came back and he said, no, 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 I've discovered it, it's actually tightly um, stretched wires. That's where the music comes from, it's tightly stretched wires. So we, we, we shouldn't really believe about this unseen player anymore. 
And then another, you know, mouse went out and, and he came back and he says, this is even more complicated than what we thought before. It's actually, it's these hammers that dance on the wires. And they go, wow, man, this is a very, you know, complex mathematical world we live in. I guess we shouldn't believe in the unseen player myth anymore. But for those of us who know the player, he brings beautiful music in our lives, doesn't he? Why? Because that which we see, he's the one who brought it about. Even though you may not understand it, he's the one behind it. I mean, look at it again, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created out of the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God spoke, unseen suddenly becomes seen. Now, Hebrews 11 is one example of another of that. God speaking a word of truth, people believing it, and what was unseen becomes a reality for their life. Let me give you one example. Abraham. Ever hear of that guy? In Abraham, you have this old dude, well past childbearing years, he and his wife. God comes to him and he says, Abraham, I'm giving you a promise. You're going to be the father of many nations. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God. It's impossible. He believed God. He believed it even though it was not visible. And suddenly, the invisible becomes visible. Have you ever heard of the nation of Israel, right? It's still a testimony today of the promise that God gave to Abraham, okay? And so all the way through the book of Hebrews 11, you see one example of another of people that believed God's word and then it became a reality even though it didn't make sense at the time. So what I want to do today, I want to close with just three examples. Three examples of faith found at the very first part of Hebrews chapter 11, and all of these come from the early pages of the book of Genesis. First person we will look at is this, jot this down, is Abel. Abel, we learn from him how to worship by faith. Worshiping by faith through Abel. So you have these two characters in the Bible, Cain and Abel, they come and they're worshiping God. Look at it in verse four. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, actually he was murdered by his brother, he still speaks. You go, what, what's all this about? You remember Adam and Eve, they were banished from the Garden of Eden? They start having children. First child was Cain, so they start raising Cain, right? Then they have another child and that child is actually called Abel, okay? And so Abel and Cain, they decide they want to worship God. And Cain basically gives God some leftovers from his crops. And Abel, on the other hand, gives God the best from his flock. Somehow he understood something about sacrifice and the way it needs to be done. And in fact, look at, we've already learned this in Hebrews. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Somehow in Abel's mind, he knew something. He's like saying, God, I believe you made a promise to my parents that one day you're going to send a deliverer who will crush the head of the serpent. I believe that. And so, God, I believe that one day you're going to bring someone to earth, and he's going to be your best. And so, God, you're worthy of the best. And so I'm going to worship you in this way. And what's happening? You know, he says here that though he died, he still speaks. You know what he's saying to you today? Trust in God's deliverer, Jesus Christ. He's the Lamb of God who was slain for you. God gave you his best, now you give God your best. That's worship, okay? 
Then there's a second thing we learn. Number two is from Enoch. And from Enoch, we learn how to walk by faith. Now, Enoch is one of the most interesting characters in the Bible. Why? Because he didn't die. <laughs> now, this guy was a great granddad of, of Noah. So this was during a season of, of incredible wickedness on the earth. Look what it says on verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. You go, taken up. What does that mean? That means Enoch never did die. I mean, there's only two people in the Old Testament, Enoch and Elijah, that never tasted death. Elijah, the chariot of fire, took him on to heaven. Well, that's the same kind of thing that happened with, with Enoch. I mean, except God just took him right on to heaven. We go, well, how did that happen? Well, let me just show you one passage. In Genesis chapter 5, it says this. Enoch was 65 years old when he fathered Methuselah. And after he fathered Methuselah, Enoch, look at it, walked with God. 300 years, fathered other sons and daughters. Enoch walked with God. Now, based on those verses, it sort of gives the implication that before Enoch fathered his son, he wasn't walking with God. But then suddenly he fathers the son, and he's like, i got to start walking with God, which is a great, parent, great principle for all the parents that are here. No matter how you've lived your life previously, when God blesses you with a child, it's time to step up. It's time for you to say, okay, it is time for me to get my life right, walking with the Lord. Why? Because i got some people dependent on me. I'm shaping their faith. And so he starts walking with God. Now you go, what does it mean to walk with God? Well, I believe that he literally, you know, conversed with God. And you know what? In the Bible, we're told that we can walk with God. I mean, we, God, we're created in the image of God, and so we're designed for a relationship. God doesn't want your religion. God wants a relationship. And so you, know how, you can talk with God and worship God, not just on Sundays, every day. You can converse with him and walk with him and talk with him. And guess what? That's what the Christian life is. We're called to walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. You're called to, to follow Jesus, all of that. The Christian life can be summarized in this. You learn to walk with Jesus. That's it. And, and so Enoch walked with God. You go, well, how did he, you know, go on to heaven? Well, the Bible doesn't give us the exact details, but I've got, you know, a spiritual imagination. And so this is just sort of the way I imagine it, is that, you know, one day he and the Lord, they're just walking together. And they're just talking, talking with each other, and they're talking back and forth, and the day goes on, they continue to walk, and, and um, evening begins to come, and Enoch says, Father God, it looks like I need to, you know, head back home. And God says, you know what, Enoch? I think my place is closer than yours. Why don't you just come on with me? And he says, okay, that sounds good, right? And he never died. God just, whoop, took him on to heaven. Now, what's amazing about Enoch is Enoch is a picture for the last generation of Christians before Jesus comes again. You see, the Bible tells us that whenever Jesus comes again, those of us who still are alive, we're going to be caught up. We're going to be raptured up. Come, Lord Jesus, come, right? We won't taste death. We're going to be like Enoch. So learn to walk with God, right? And so Enoch, we learn to walk with God. But what else? Well, a third character in Genesis, and it's Noah. Jot this down. From Noah, you learn how to work by faith. Working by faith. Noah hears the word of God, and he begins to obey and work. Look at it. Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as of yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, if you grew up in church, you've heard the story of Noah's ark, right? And, the, you know, building this huge boat and saving the animals. 
I mean, you know, the fact is, is I believe that it was a real event that really did happen. I mean, you can go to Kentucky. I love this. My wife and I have been there. There's an exact replica of Noah's Ark built to the exact dimensions. It's really awesome. And I just encourage all of you to go there, okay? And so wh- why did God tell Noah to build an ark? Well, because the people were wicked. The Bible says that they, they were thinking evil thoughts constantly. Nobody believed in God. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. And God says, I'm going to send a flood. Check it out. Look at what God said to him in Genesis chapter 6. Genesis 6 says, then God said to Noah, I've decided to put an end to every creature. From the earth, for the earth is filled with wickedness because of them. Therefore, I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. And he did everything God commanded him to do. Now, did Noah just decide one day, I think I'm going to build an ark? No, no, no. He heard a word from the Lord, and God said, hey, this thing's coming. You need to prepare. He didn't see it. He just believed God's word, right? Now, now I would have had a lot of questions, right? I mean, I'm like, okay, God, I need a little bit more details, right? What's going on here? I mean, what, first of all, what's a flood? Never seen one of those before, okay? What's an ark? Oh, it's a big boat? Okay, awesome. What's gopher wood? Never heard of that, right? But but the fact is, is that he heard God speak, and even though he didn't fully understand everything, he obeyed God. Now, here's the crazy thing. For 120 years, think about that. He lived in a pagan culture. He's building this boat in the middle of nowhere. People are like, you are crazy. Noah, you're an idiot. Well, God said this. God, what God? God spoke to you? I don't think so. You are a nut job. You're, you, you lost, you know, your, your, your bearings, man. I mean, something's wrong with you, Noah. And for 120 years, the world laughed at him, the Bible said, until the flood came. Then nobody's laughing anymore. Can I tell you it's the exact same way? We live in a culture, God speaks to us. He's given us his word. And we take a stand on it. We said we believe it. That settles it. And the world goes, and they will lambast us. And they'll say, you're crazy. I can't believe you're believing that ancient document. You believe in some, you know, myth about a God. Can't believe you've done that. And everything's fine. Everybody's happy. Everybody's laughing at God until the flood comes, right? Until the judgment comes. That's when it just changes everything. Did you know that there is over 120 flood legends and every ancient civilization around the world, across the world, in ancient, you know, literature, you find flood stories. Now, they're different than the biblical flood story of Noah, but most of them contain similar ideas. There was a righteous man living in an unrighteous world. God tells him to build a boat, and he builds a boat, and he rescues his family and animals. How in the world, how do you explain that every ancient culture around the world has a flood narrative? There's only one explanation. There really was a flood. There really was this guy named Noah. And because Noah believed God, he rescued humanity. It didn't make sense, but he did it. That's faith. Faith is the confident assurance. Even when you don't see it, but you believe it. Why? Because God spoke it to be true. Let me close with this. After the flood was over, God gave Noah another promise. You know what it was? A rainbow. And I don't know about you, but every time I see a rainbow, I just smile. I mean, I just stop. I stare at it. I love it. Why? Because it's a promise of God. 
And that rainbow is a promise to you that I'm never going to destroy the earth again like I did before. I'm not going to flood the whole earth like I did before, right? And you know what also that, that, that means? God's saying, hey, you know what? Everybody else doesn't think I'm in charge. That rainbow says, I'm still in charge. I'm still in control. I still got this world, whether they want to believe it or not. I still got this world. You know, that rainbow teaches me, teaches me that no matter how deep the waters may come, it's not going to sink my faith. Why? Because the God who makes these promises is trustworthy. And so what is faith? Faith is the confident assurance about things I haven't seen. Why? Because God promised them in his word. We are to be people of faith and learn how to walk by faith. Amen? Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, for inspiring us, for giving us hope and assurance and confidence and faith, even in a world that denies you. God, we're here today saying we believe you, we trust you, because your character is infallible. God, would you help us even today to respond to you in faith? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.